Yeah, man. I'm back at it. Come on. Today's a new day. Got the bullet up in the suitcase. Welcome to the Blitz with Rob and Chris. It's been a minute. We've been on summer vacation, but what it do, Rob? Yo, you've been on summer vacation. You, you don't want to work in education. I don't work in education. We've been grinding this whole way through. Um, you know, court, I'm a lawyer. Court's opening back up. We, we, you know, in full swing right now. But uh, that was that Dipset okay. Anthem, that Dipset Anthem in honor of the uh, versus the locks versus Dipset tonight. We recording just after that went off. So uh, that was an intense was battle. I thought, the fight was going, I thought a fight was going to break out on stage, but... You know, uh, Dipset keeps our lights on over here at um, 979 Plug Radio. So, you know, we're a little biased. But. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we, I was on vacation when I uh, hit the Grand Canyon, took the fam to the Grand Canyon, went to, to Las Vegas, stayed at Seasons. We met Ocho, Ocho versus Science. He was cool. He was cool as a fan. Uh, he was trying to be incognito, but uh, but he was cool, though. He hollered. You, you rolled up on him? Uh, okay. Yeah, you know, I went and get a bottle of water from Starbucks. Gave him, you know, gave him the dap, gave him the pound or something. Did you tell him about sweat, the podcast? You know is the saying? question. That's the question. I mean, you know, look, man, it won't be bothered, bro. <laughs> so I tried, to, I tried to hit him up on, on IG. He ain't responding yet. <laughs> <laughs> so my brush with uh, stardom during this this little hiatus that we'll call a summer vacation in honor of your uh, summer vacation, um, uh, Derek Jeter. The captain, El Capitan, number two, but number one in your hearts. Ran into him out here in Miami. Uh, you know, he's a president of the Marlins. And uh, he, I guess I saw somewhere he might, he moved from Tampa where he used to live to, to Miami. And so I was down in the Miracle Mile area, which is Coral Gables, and uh, randomly stopped into the Smoothie King. And walking over to the Smoothie King, I'm down, head down the phone, texting. And a biker almost hits me, so I stop. Boom! Have to take a step back, causes me to lift my head up. Lift my head up. Who do I see right in my line of vision? The captain. I almost, I almost returned to being like 13 for a second. I had flashbacks all in that moment. Him running to the first row, catching the ball, bloody chin, the throwback against the Orioles, tag at home plate. It all just ran through my mind in one second, and the only thing I could think to do was a slow clap. Started the slow clap, and I said out loud, the captain, baby, was good. <laughs> and uh, he played the shit out of me. Nah, he, gave he gave me a slow, a slow uh, rolled his head toward me and gave me a little nod and then kind of politely looked in all directions to make sure I wasn't drawing any attention to him. I'm like, yo, it's Coral Gables. I mean, it's a lot of wealthy, you know, rich people down there. They're not worried about, right. you know, anybody but themselves, honestly. Um so that was that was my brush with stardom. I actually I went you to didn't tell him about the pod. Did not tell him about the pod. You know, I, I he was with his two kids <laughs> and his wife. I didn't really want to roll up on him and destroy breakfast. <laughs> Got two beautiful daughters. They look like they could be twins, probably like three years old or something like that. So I didn't want to really, you know, ruin the family moment. Um, actually went to the Yankees Marlins game this uh this past Sunday. Uh, had a good time there. Yankees brought home the victory. I think we got a three to one win. Um been an, and I maintain this point we said on the pod all the time. Like to me, baseball is like not a fun sport to watch on TV, but going to a game, you get your drink, right. a beer, a, a you know, a game day hot dog. It makes everything all right. And the games go by faster when you actually yeah. are there as opposed to watching them on TV. And it's the one sporting event where you could like go with the fellas and chill. 
like just right. talk conversation. The game is not like so, football is so much back and forth. Exactly. Basketball. Exactly. A lot of cheering in those other sports, a lot of your head shooting back and forth. Baseball, it was actually a co-worker event. It was a work event where we had tickets. And so it lends itself mm -hmm. to you getting to know your co-workers because there's a whole row of you and you're talking about each other's life stories, how we all right. became Yankee fans. Obviously, there's a lot of snowbirds in Miami. So it's a lot of like people whose families are from New York and then the families migrated down south. And so, you know, they kind of moved from New York as adults to be closer to their parents and stuff. And now they're still Yankees fans. And so we all kind of had similar stories and, you know, it's sporting, these types of sporting events lend themselves to conversation. I think that's why, you know, they call baseball America's pastime. But you got to actually go to a game. Hopefully your male chauvinism, <laughs> hopefully your male chauvinism didn't show like, like it's about to show on this, this topic we're about to talk about. You know, you in this 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 idea of male chauvinism. Let's let's jump into the topic. All I hear from you is hypocrisy. You call me a male chauvinist, and all I hear is hypocrisy. But let's let's launch into the subject that, that you so eagerly wanted to talk about. That you broke your summer vacation for the first time in two months and said, "Let's record. Let's let's talk about it." Let's talk about it. Simone Biles, the the most <clears throat> decorated female gymnast, uh, probably what many can say, including myself, the best female gymnast of all time is going for her third Olympics, multiple gold medals, the favorite for, for the team goal, favorite for individual goal, favorite for floor exercise goal, <sighs> vault goal. Um, in a team event, she does a move off the vault doesn't do a full rotation somehow still lands on her feet but she just doesn't seem right so she she pulls out right she pulls out and that's when the drama happens uh team usa wins the silver instead of the gold loses to russia um and, and we go back and forth on our text chain so i'm gonna let you tell the people what, what you call my girl's mom Bye. Yeah. So first of all, we need to correct the idea that she's the most decorated gymnast in history. That's factually inaccurate. She's the most deck. She's tied for being the most decorated U.S. gymnast in history. First of all. Second of all, it's not her third Olympics. It's her second Olympics. And she got enough medals for it to be a third. <laughs> she has seven medals. She got two <laughs> this time, five the last time. Um, and this time she got no goals coming into this Olympics. The pressure was on. Last time she caught, took the world by storm. Obviously, she was known and she was expected to be great, but her level of greatness was solidified at the Olympics. That's where stars are born. That's where mm -hmm. stars are made. You know, it's just like going to Wimbledon. It's like going to the Masters. It's all of that. Like Tiger wasn't Tiger until he dominated at the Masters, right? Like you have to solidify yourself on the world stage. You know, um, winning the Super Bowl, right? Like. Patrick Mahomes could set all the regular season records, but it doesn't solidify. It's not solidified until you are Super Bowl MVP, put up the numbers in the Super Bowl. Even to the extent that, like we talked on this podcast, that Patrick Mahomes' Super Bowl performance in the first one that they won wasn't up to the standard of what everybody expected, right? And then the second one that he won, people said he wet the bed, he didn't carry the team, all of that type of stuff. That's the nature of the types of conversations that we have about professional athletes. And that's what this podcast is all about, right? Right. When when Kyrie Irving, you know, decided that he needed days off, I seem to recall you talking so much trash when Paul George struggled in the playoffs 
and then threw Doc Rivers under the bus. I remember you clowning this playoffs, talking, talking so bad on his name. So that's the backdrop for this conversation that's being had in the text chain, right? The conversation comes up about Simone Biles in the Olympics and the fact that she quit slash voluntarily withdrew was the nature of the, uh, I guess, final phrase that we arrived at um, here. And we all said, we being everyone else in the text thread except for you that- I'm, quote, I'm about to say that, not, not me. We not quote, quote, unquote, non-chauvinist who only apparently attacks mental health issues when it's a male that's involved, said that because it was for a mental health reason, it shouldn't be considered a withdrawal or a quit. It should be considered an injury. That's where we all disagreed because we all felt that the mental aspect of the game of any competition really, but in sport in particular, is just as relevant and important of a factor when analyzing that athlete's greatness. When just, and that's what we do. We talk about the greatness. This one's better than that one. We rank, we compare. It's just the nature of, of life. It's a hobby. It's a you know thing that, that people do on ESPN all day, right? And so when you're having that conversation, part of the conversation is mental toughness and the mental element, right? And so when somebody arrives at the competition, all the pressure is now on because they're the odds on favorite. And when the conversation was, she was going to do something that no female athlete had ever done. I don't think any athlete had ever done was to win six golds in one Olympics, which would be the team gold, the individual gold, and then all of the um, different individual events that she would qualify for. Um, so to lead that Olympics with one silver and one bronze, objectively, would be a disappointment, right? And the disappointment comes mm -hmm. in part because she withdrew. You consider that to be an injury. The hypocrisy in that to me is that when Kyrie says, I can't play taking a mental health day, you clown him. When Paul George says, there was so much pressure on me in that bubble, I shot three pointers and hit the side of the backboard, you clown him, right? The, the further conversation that developed that made everybody soften their stance somewhat in the text message conversation was about the yips. I'm sorry, the twisties and the twisties and how you can hurt yourself in an Olympic competition. When you get to twisties, you don't know where you're landing, yada, yada, yada. My point to you and to other people that I've discussed, like that's not unique to gymnastics. Maybe the potential fallout, the injury is unique to gymnastics, but like we've heard about the yips. Anybody remembers Chuck Knobloch who suddenly couldn't compete throw the ball from second yeah. base to first. And, you know, he was, he was eviscerated in New York headlines, right? Um, field goal kickers who suddenly can't make a field goal. Um, golfers who suddenly can't complete their swing right. Greg Norman, you know, who was clowned for his inability to win the, in the big matches. And he would tight up, tighten up. I mean, when we played high school sports, what our coach used to do, he used to make that hand symbol and say, I, I, know, I know you're doing this right now, talking about how nervous we were, right? Nerves, the mental aspect of the game, a part of the game, arriving as the favorite with all these expectations on you is a part of sports. So much so that Michael Phelps created an HBO series about the pressure of sports and about the pressure that he experiences as an Olympian, like coming back every year with the expectation of now it's like 
the only thing you could do to surpass what you did before is to win a gold in every event that you compete in. So I say all of that to say that the conversation on the other side of you. Yeah, thank you. Wrap, wrap this up, please. <laughs> the conversation on the other side of you, that mental toughness, it's even an element in the Madden rankings, right? When you play the video game. Mental toughness is a part of the sport and people are credited for their mental toughness. So I don't think when you fail to demonstrate that mental toughness, they can be considered an injury and thus not held against your greatness. That's the perspective that goes against your perspective, which is that I guess she should be applauded for withdrawing. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm just going to leave it there. There's a whole nother conversation to be had about the fact that it's a team sport and a lot of people, I'm not necessarily as much in this camp, but there's a lot of people who say she cost them the gold specifically. Yeah, you you are in that camp. You, you, you said that multiple times. Don't, I don't. can make that argument, but that's not, I don't think that's where we start right now. I'll, well, we can have that conversation after you respond to everything that I just brought up. Yeah, it was a lot. You, you went you went around the block <laughs> just to go next door. I pointed out all your hypocrisy. Explain so, that. So first. Explain so first how say, you can attack people's, you know, mental failures in other circumstances. I get the black woman perspective. Protect black women. And I feel like that's a lot of what's going on here. That's the undercurrent that we're trying to protect the black woman. But I also argue for consistency. consistency. So let me first address all, all of your inaccuracies. Okay, <laughs> Mental toughness and mental illness, that, that's two separate things. Who gets to also, decide which is which? Who's the final arbiter? I mean, mental illness is, 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 a, is an injury, like I said. Like I told y'all on that. It's just like an athlete twisting his ankle, right? Like... Who, who determines what, what ankle sprain is playable on and not playable on? I don't know. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. Only that only that athlete can say. But what, what, I, what I will say is I had, no, I had no problem with the word withdrawal. She withdrew from the match. That, that's, that's facts. What I have a problem with is you. Voluntarily um, withdrew, I think, is an important factor because our argument is that ultimately she made a choice to not participate. It's not but, that she was physically incapable in our opinion, I think. I'm, I'm not going to let you wordsmith out of this. Okay? <laughs> with, with, with you, with, with a friend of the pod, Darren, uh, Brad, all, all people, our fans know, our 10 listeners know, like <laughs> y'all said, Simone Biles quit. Was a quitter. And... I strongly and mind you that portion of the conversation right, took place gonna... before she came back and participated in the balance beam and and won the bronze. But continue. Yeah, this was a week ago, <laughs> and I I never deterred from my from my stand. Right, was that it, this was a this was much like in in my man uh, Bill Roden wrote an article today actually undefeated on how we should applaud Simone Biles for for doing what she did and mm -hmm. how mental illness should be on the injury report for for athletes in, in, in sports in general which by the way i mentioned this a week ago on our group text that just like a player <clears throat> was spraying his ankle or spraying the knee or whatever like this is an actual injury and i tried to i, I tried to compare it alvin to kamara questionable not feeling it today <laughs> That's the injury report. Concept. That's what it's gonna say. Tell me what it's gonna say, I, Chris. I, I tried. To, I tried to compare it 
to an athlete like let's say Odell Beckham, for instance, right? Taz is ACL last year. We wouldn't say he lacks physical toughness because he couldn't play anymore because he injured himself. So what I'm saying to you is it's not a lack of mental toughness that she couldn't continue. In fact, I would argue it took extreme mental toughness to make the decision that she did on the stage that she did at the moment that she did it. So I, I would say she she exhibited a lot of mental toughness where you say she lacks mental toughness. Now, my other argument is I don't know how a person who already has six goals, multiple world she championships. Already six goals. Um, how many goals she, does she have? She would have had four at that point. She would have had four. Okay, she's medals. got four goals. Okay. So four, she has four goals, multiple world championships. Um, she is a survivor of sexual assault, like many of the gymnasts come through. To, to get where she's gotten, to to achieve what she has achieved, that takes mental toughness. Now. No doubt. Real quickly. But I mental, it's a day-to-day -day thing, though. You comparing. Right, but but I would argue just because she couldn't finish the, the match doesn't mean she lacked mental toughness in that match. I'm going to let you finish, but I got a hypothetical I, to I would say to she you when you She sustained this. a mental injury. Okay, but to your point on uh, Kyrie Irving, no, I will not compare Simone Biles exiting an Olympic event due to mental health to a brother saying he needs two weeks off <laughs> because of unrest in the Middle East, from which this brother is hails from New Jersey. <laughs> I believe he's Muslim. It was affecting his mental right. ability to perform. Mental health, Stop it. mental injury. Stop it. <laughs> uh, it, it, it happened to be found at a party uh, two days later. So now you're policing how people spend their time. So if we would have seen Simone Biles getting ice cream in the Olympic Village, it just so happens there's nothing to do there because of COVID. But if she was like, like if you saw her doing something that you didn't feel was acceptable, does that make her mental injury less valid? Like, No, it does not. It does not. But what I'm saying is, don't tell me you can't play basketball, but because of the unrest, because you want to focus on that unrest. But but then I can see you have, and it's not just being at a party. It's it's being at a party during COVID, no mask. So so you so you so upset that you can't play a game that's paying you millions, but you can break all the protocols at a party. Like two days later, it was his Secondly, sister's birthday party. But continue. Playoff P. Let's let's get the playoff P. All right. No, I don't want to see you uh, mocking. Who did play the first round in the bubble? Uh, wasn't that Portland? Because they were making fun of uh, yeah, they were mocking Lillard, Damian, I feel like when... Yeah, yeah, you're mocking Damian Lillard in the first round. Meanwhile, you had been there over two months when you were mocking him, making fun of him, and, and you up 3-0. But now all of a sudden, you blow a 3-1 lead, and uh, you got depression, and you throwing the coach under the bus. I, I just find that very uh, convenient, to say the least. So I and, feel and like comparing you're comparing that to Simone Biles. 
you're policing people's mental health issues. And here's the thing, though. Everything that you're saying about them is what the other people would say about Simone Biles juxtaposing her performance in the Olympic trials versus her performance at the Olympics. Like you created these difficult routines, difficult routines that you get a lot of points for the level of difficulty. And so you knew like you knew what you were getting yourself into coming in with these really difficult routines. One could argue you could have scaled back the routines, performed some easier routines perfectly and still, you know, performed at a high level. Right. So that's the 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 counter argument is that, you know, it, there's, it's a mental health conversation. And I think some people would say, or did you put a lot of pressure on yourself by challenging yourself in a manner in which you created, you know, some of the most difficult routines that gymnastics has ever seen. But here's my hypothetical to you. Jameis Winston, Florida State, he had that final drive. Tom Brady, several times, final drive. Joe Montana, several times, final drive. A situation mm -hmm. in a Super Bowl, team is down four points, mid and a half left, one timeout left. Coach walks to the sideline, all right, we're in our two-minute offense. Here's what we're about to do. Joe Montana, Jameis Winston, Tom Brady, you throw a name in there, Patrick Mahomes. Coach, mentally, this this moment, like I just, I don't have it. Like this is, there's so much going on right now. A lot of mental pressure on me right now. I can't do it. Put the backup in. What say you? Not you giving them this injury. amount of grace? You giving this amount? Yeah. Stop lying. Before yes. this happened, if that would have happened. Let's throw the name I should have put in was Drew Brees because we both know if Drew Brees did something like that in a playoff game, you would never let him live it down. You would have assaulted him. You probably called him a mental midget if he did something like that in a game. Again, I think it has a lot <laughs> he's, to do. He's got a he got a midget arm. I'll give him that. <laughs> I just so here's something that I heard somebody say the other day. Um, we extend a ton of grace with regard to mental health only to the people that we actually like. All right. And Simone Biles is very likable. Like, what's there not to like about her? She's 24 years old. She's gorgeous. She's like in terms of her actual ability, you know, regardless of medal count, her actual ability and what she's done in the routines is the highest level of difficulty we've ever seen. She's done flips and in, in, in stunts that nobody else has ever been able to execute. So she has the court of public opinion in her corner already. So she's going to be given some grace, and I understand that. But if we're doing a Shirley Sports analysis, right, if we're doing a Shirley Sports analysis and we compare this to any other sport, we've already discussed how those people were, were viewed for withdrawing or not performing well in major moments. We're simply choosing not so, to so hold her to that standard because we like her more. Or, or can we look at it as like maybe we were wrong? <laughs> so we just gonna reverse like right. a lifetime of how we've evaluated. Maybe, sports. maybe we were wrong. But so, and I don't have a problem I'm entertaining. We were wrong. I don't have a problem entertaining that idea. What I will say though is, so much of the greatness of sports in people's legacy is in the moments where it appeared as if they had nothing left, right? And it appeared as if they had reached their peak. Everything was falling apart. And then they turned around and gave us something that we didn't expect to see. I think the idea of 
given extending that grace, there's a there's a fine line to where we always talk about great coaches who push people past what they thought they were capable of. And then we see, you know, this extra level of greatness that we didn't know they had. And there's a whole nother conversation to be had with regard to like all the changes that happened with the Olympics needed to happen with the USA gymnastics team, the Carolis not being there with something like this have gone on if they were there, you know, go listen to the 30 for 30 uh, podcast about the Carolis and how they came over from Romania, you know, from the Romanian gymnast to Mary Lou Retton to, you know, Dominic Muciano, Kerry Strug, and then they take over the team. And then we see the sustained greatness of like the last 20 years of pretty much all golds. And for them to be gone in one year, her to drop out, us to get the silver, there's a, probably a lot of people who feel like what was lacking was the forcible discipline of these, you know, kind of iconic figures who were really hard on the girls and, and forced the greatness out of them. And, and where I was going with the her dropping out affecting the team is that obviously her routines have a higher level of difficulty. They score higher points. It makes it easier to win the gold when you lump in her points, her scores, because even if she doesn't perform well, the degree of difficulty gives her higher scores. So it did make it harder for the USA women's team to win a gold when she withdraws from the competition. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it definitely hurt the chance to win a goal. I just think it, it comes, I, I didn't think as, as a society, we've like, we already established that mental health is a bigger aspect than we've given it credit. hundred percent, hundred percent. Even in sports, right? Like right. sports therapists are a big thing. Like, right. Just like, LeBron takes care of his body and, and guys go vegan and all that. Like sports therapists, like the usage, the 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 acceptance of them in the sports environment is it, it's much more prevalent, it's much more accepted than it was. And I, I think we're, you know, that, that that's changing. And that's why I say like just like in football, right? Like <clears throat> or in any sport, some guys are able to play with certain injuries that others can't. E even even in gymnastics, I think it was Kerry Strong, maybe who, who had yeah, the, that the final ankle. vote in, yeah, with the hurt ankle. Yeah, like I would. But argue again, a lot of women couldn't. But again, to that point, there's an argument that Bella Caroli pushed her to do that, right? That she didn't think she could do it, and a coach kind of went out there and was like, "You got another gear. You got a little something left." The irony of that entire thing is that, like. I think we would have won without her doing that flip, but we didn't know that at the time. So she went out there and flipped on like a like fractured ankle or some shit like that. So yeah, so I mean, I, I think so. Kevin Love, for instance, had a panic attack. I think it was about three years ago, um, and I and he admitted it. You know, at the time because I was know. watching them games, like all he do is stay in the corner and shoot threes, and he can't even do that. He don't grab no rebounds. Him and Chris Bosh basically got no credit for what they did on those teams with LeBron and got yep. all the blame when things went wrong. And that mentally has to be a very hard place to be in. You're not going to get the looks. Yeah. You're not going to get the ball. You're not going to be featured. you got to go out there and do all the dirty work. You're a former all-star. And now you're viewed as like, you know, the third stooge and the three stooges and nobody's laughing at your jokes. Right. Right. So, you know, I, I think it's just a lot to be said. I do think, like, at some point, mental health, I know this might sound crazy, but it's, I, I think it has to somehow be included in the injury report. I, I think, I think personally, I think it's an injury. Like, it can These teams already don't, like, 
Tom Brady just came out and said he played the back half of the season with torn MCL and never put it on the injury report. <laughs> the last thing they're going to do is put a mental health injury on the report. <laughs> I don't mean this right. That's all I'm going to say. I don't mean this so right. So to kind of oh. spin this into some other Olympic stuff, I will say one of the ironic things yes. about this Olympics is that so many of the athletes, what you start to learn is how quickly the turnover happens, right? Like essentially an Olympic athlete gets mm -hmm. mostly one Olympics, the greats two at best three. And that's really hard on the psyche. It's got to be because you're only relevant once every four years. And then you have like essentially, you know, anywhere from 40, anywhere realistically from 10 seconds to 20 minutes on television. And it defines the way the world sees you for the rest of your effing life. You talk about Lolo Jones running the 100 meter hurdles and trips on the last hurdle, doesn't win. And now she's considered like that's her story. That's her life story. It's a 10 second race. And her life story right. revolves around clipping the last hurdle. Um, that's a tremendous amount and of pressure. Literally, like your whole, yeah, and your whole financial right. potential is based on if you win or not, right? Because nobody gets endorsements for finishing seven. Right. So you still get to coach. You still get to train. Uh, uh, I mean, do commercials and all these other things based on your Olympic record. Michael Phelps is on television. He's doing NBC. Um, you know, he's got a show on HBO. Right. His life is set based on his ability to produce in the Olympics. And not for nothing, you've trained your entire life for that moment. So, like, where, you know, they talk about, oh, you know, the NCAA, there's, you know, so many sports and everybody goes pro in something else. I mean, when you train for the Olympics, when you're on that level, you kind of put your eggs all in one basket. So my point was only that this yeah. Olympics, I've seen more athletes than ever before mention, like, who their, you know, mental health expert is um in terms of when they you they do those little interviews before the race and they kind of give you the background of the american athlete who are hoping is going to win the gold you'll hear them talk about like you know i talked to this person and we kind of focused in cindy mclaughlin who's like one of my personal favorites just because i now followed her since the last olympics since the last olympic trials when she was 16 years old to now she's 21 and to see the maturation that took place that had to take place for her to get to where she wanted to be over the course of five years. And she talked about it. Like, basically, I had to grow up. You know, I left college and, mm -hmm. you know, she was a national champion, then left college. And, you know, the Instagram stuff, I followed her on social media. She was playful. She was goofy. And there was a level of focus that she had to get into to, to now tonight break the world record in the, in the 400 hurdles. And so the mental health piece is just more than ever. I remember when Florida State won the national championship, uh, I guess that was 2014. And a big part of that team was that they had like an on-site mental health expert that would work with them weekly. And when you would hear the post-game interviews, everybody was kind of saying the same words. And it was because it was being drilled into their head through their mental health coach. Um, read the book uh, Grit. And, you know, in Grit, she talks to Pete Carroll a bunch and he talks about the mental health coach and the importance of that in their Super Bowl run in Seattle. Um, so it's just become a huge part of sports. And it's it, it makes sense given the amount of television coverage and then social media on top of that. There's so much more exposure than there was back in the day. A Carl Lewis, you know, could just pop on TV and then he just it was commercials after that. But now, right. like we're right. exposed to these people's day in and day out life for the entirety of the 
training cycle, the four years, it's just, you know, in your face all the time. And it's just been such a great, like the Olympics got delayed. So, you know, all the, how they train for every four years, like your training regimen changes. Then you come to Olympics a year later, no fans. So it's mm -hmm. a lot, you know, it's a lot to deal with. Your family can't be there. Right. Um, Big point with regard to Simone Biles. This was just something I thought when you're used to being on her level in every arena you're in i mean when you're kobe when you're anybody great you rise to the occasion and part of that is the crowd mm -hmm. screaming feeding off the energy and now yep you go from everywhere and every day of your life you're followed by media and people and there's people screaming for you and now you're performing in an empty quiet gym I think that affects the mental aspect. I think that probably affects depth perception also, because now you're doing these big flips yep. and everything looks further and different because there's nobody, there's nobody in the backdrop. You take away Bella Carole, right. you take away your coach, but now you also take away your mother, who I know she was close to, I think she was adopted. They showed her all the time in the last Olympics, but now she's not there, mm -hmm. right? So now you're in Tokyo, Japan, you're quarantined, there's no friends, no family. I mean, and there were some athletes right. who, like the girl who came in silver, Muhammad, um, for the 400 hurdles as American athlete. She had had COVID in like February. So her whole training regimen was thrown mm -hmm. off. Um, so yeah, it's exactly. just been a totally different Olympics. And now they're going to have to circle back in three years too. So. It, it, right. And, and so you wonder what kind of impact that has too. Um, before we move on, favorite Olympic sport to watch or favorite moment of, of this uh tokyo olympics so i'm a cheat because i got three of them um and they, they just really stand <laughs> out to me um was that the 1500 we were just watching the other night shoot i think it's up on my instagram yeah. the girl trips in the 1500 and like the last lap and she gets up and she smokes these fools and still comes in first to me like that's a level of dominance i just if you I don't know if the average person can understand like how good you have to be in the Olympics, right? These are the world's best, right, best, the best athletes, in the, world. the best of the best. You fall, you go to last place and you get up and on the last lap, you catch and pass everyone. That to me is like, that's to me should be like a considered a great moment in sports, honestly. Um, and we should be talking about that more. She's Ethiopian. I feel like because she's not from a country that probably gets a lot of press coverage, it's not going to be as big news as it should have been. The other favorite moment, mm -hmm. Qatar, Italy, high jump. Uh, the dude from Qatar looked like he was he should have run away with it. They tie at a certain point, and they can have a jump off. The brother from Italy um, had basically had this great comeback story where like he tore his Achilles or something, and he missed, I think, the Rio Olympics, was in a cast. And so this was his like comeback. And he had the cast with him from when he was in Rio watching the Olympics, I believe. And the dude from Qatar looks at him. By all accounts, I'm watching this competition. I'm like, he could beat this dude to jump off. I mean, just his build, the ease with which he appeared to be jumping over the other ones. And he looks at him. He's like, can we get two? And the dude from Italy just like basically drops his knees, like almost like, thank you. Like, you're going to let me get a goal with you. And the dude just like daps him off, hugs him, and they both walk off and go celebrate with their families. The Qatar <laughs> dude, you know, he's dapping his people off. They're happy. There's a little bit of crying. But the Italy dude just goes insane. Like he's rolling around the ground. He grabs the cast. I mean, he's getting the gold after missing the last Olympics with the torn Achilles. It was just a great moment to see. Great sportsmanship. You know, you kind of miss sometimes the fact that these people travel the world for those entire four years that we're not paying attention, competing against each other. So they develop relationships 
And so you look at that other person as a friend of yours at a certain point, like AAU basketball. And then obviously my third moment, uh, watching everything come to fruition for Cindy McLaughlin, you know, from getting to the finals as a 17 year old, unexpected qualifying for the Olympics as a 16 year old, and then watching that four year process of her training and training. By the time she came out here this time, she looks like a grown woman. She's only 21, but the level of focus that she looked like she had, you know, everybody's smiling, blowing kisses from every competition throughout every round. She was just super intense, super focused, came out and broke the world record. So those are my three favorite moments so far. Um, I, one, I want to commend you because I, I you know, I, I would think uh, a Neanderthal like yourself would have looked down <laughs> upon uh, the Qatar guy for, for not wanting to step on that towel. I figured you was going to say something like that. No, I mean, honestly, I thought about it yeah. for a second. I'm like a true competitor with a sit, yeah. share the medal. Let's jump this shit off. But nah, I mean, it was it was nice. It was just a nice moment when I guess I heard the dude from Italy's backstory. Um, so, so yeah, I was a little shocked to, to, to hear you say that. Um, my moment is, is not one for the USA, but it was just like a great race. Um, and, and it included American in it, but it was the, the 400 meter hurdles that we watched last night. Um, guy from Norway, Karsten, uh, what's his last Warhol? name? Warhol, I think. Warhol, mm -hmm. uh, set a world record. And, and beat Benjamin from the USA, who also would have broken the previous world record um, had it not been for, for Carson from Norway. But it, it was just a great race. Benjamin tried to kick in another gear in the, in the last 100 meters, but he just couldn't catch him. Carson just ran away from him. But it was just an intense race um, and, and just, you know, exciting, exciting to watch. Um, Somebody referred to it as to the greatest moment in track and field history in like the last four years or something. Just the fact that the world yeah. record was, not just the fact that the world record was broken, but the level of intensity of the race, like the closeness and the fact that like you really, it kept you glued to your seat to the last second. And he, that other yeah. gear he kicked in, you know? Yeah, and, and, and he built it up before the race. Like these two against each other, in fact, you saw them dap each other off before the race, like just, you know, two alphas just knowing they're the best two out there. And it's no question. And it's just like, who's going to get it done this night? And, and for them to both really run the race of their lives. Right. They both right. broke the world record. So right. um, the previous world record uh, just, you know, that that was intense. That was that was fun to watch. And I think that's like the moments you just like the Olympics. It's just like great on great. Um, seeing you know people step up in in the biggest of stages so that that was real cool um i've had trouble kind of getting into some of the olympics just without the fans um the, and the time, time zones changes yeah. just everything like that yeah it's just it's just been a little hard for me but track and field has been pretty exciting uh men's and women's so i feel like i that, pretty much skipped out on on all the swimming, I feel like without Michael Phelps, it's just been hard for me to kind of get. Katie Ledecky did her thing, and um, uh, yeah, what's the guy from yeah, from Ledecky. South Florida with the with the sleeve tattoo. Uh, he's from Orlando. Um, he put up. Oh you know, man, look. He 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 dominated in men's swimming as well, but like just like that's that early part of the Olympics it was really hard for me to get adjusted to like when stuff was on. It was and hard. Not. Yeah. And yeah. it's just really like, it's hard to get into a replay of something when seeing an update, you wake up and it tells you right. who won everything that night and, or that, you know, 
while you were sleeping in Japan, this person won all these races. And so now it's like when it comes on that next night, it's just it's hard to get into. And I think that's like where social media and just like the 24 hour news cycle starts to suck when like you got right. these time zone changes back, you know, 15 years ago, we would have been watching the USA Spain game and not know what the result was, even though it happened 10 hours ago. But, but now just with so much information out there, it's just impossible not to get the updates uh, prior to, to, you know, you being able to watch it on TV at a reasonable time. But uh, but that, that was definitely my highlight. Well, let, let's be, you know, we talked oh, and a just lot. Just as an aside, I feel like I got to give, I got to say this woman's name. I didn't give her name. Stefan Hassan, she's the Ethiopian woman. She's actually the ran for, for is Dutch, but she's uh, Ethiopian, you know, uh, by birth. So I just wanted to give her her props. Shout out, definitely. Um, we got some big news in NFL, right? Aaron Rodgers is holding out, threatening not to come back or retire if the, the Packers didn't trade him. But he he showed up. Uh, Dak showed up. He's got some arm soreness. But but all in all, we got uh NFL Hall of Fame game coming up Thursday. Steelers Tom, and Cowboys. Tom we'll Brady made 44 today. So Tom Brady. Turned 44 today. Yes. Um, Talking uh. So talking a lot uh, of shit on the barbershop. Yeah, I, I would say a lot of little stuff has been going on. First of all, I think, you know, with the Tom Brady thing, we do have to keep in mind, like, these, like, oh, I played with a torn ACL, but MCL. He didn't look good, remember? Like, towards the end of that run, like, there right. were some games at the end of the right. season, he didn't look great. They amassed a lot of talent in a short period of time on that roster, and um, I think that helped them a great deal. They probably should have lost to Green Bay. They didn't even win the division. Um, and so a lot of I stuff mean, broke their way at the end. They got a holding call late in that Green Bay game. Um, Jerry Cook fumbles for the Saints. Jerry Cook fumbles for the Saints. Left tackle uh, for the Chiefs tears his, his uh, ACL in the AFC yeah. Championship game. So I'm not as sold that this season is just like, running back for the Buccaneers. And we all know that football doesn't always work like that because of just injuries. Anything can happen. Like football is just different. Um, just the notable stories, the Colts to me, uh, spent all that, mm -hmm. you know, capital to go get um, a new quarterback to trade uh, with Philadelphia. And he breaks his foot um, in one of the first practices. He's now out five to 12 weeks. And, Quentin Nelson, their star offensive lineman, also just got a lower leg injury, I think a foot injury, also out now five to 12 weeks. So I think that's just interesting when you talk about like divisional situations. Um, the Colts, five to 12 weeks, that's a big window. So you don't really know, you know, when these guys will come back, but you can almost probably, you know, pull them from the playoff picture. Um, the Aaron Rodgers situation, I just feel like it was much to do about nothing. I just think that like he was lobbying for respect that he felt like he wasn't getting. They ended up sending Randall Cobb. And I just feel like if you did all of that for quote unquote respect, and the only thing that you got from it was signing Randall Cobb, you <laughs> misplayed your hand. That's just my opinion. And, oh, he, uh, he got the last year's contract voided. Yeah, I don't really, you know, money wise, I just never really felt like it was about money for him. You know what I mean? Like, nah, it wasn't. It wasn't. To me, it's like it's about you trying to win a Super Bowl and feeling like they're not getting you the pieces to do that. Let's just be honest. You, 
felt disrespected because instead of drafting somebody else, they drafted a quarterback. He listed a laundry list of um, veterans that he felt like the organization hadn't treated well as kind of like the reason that he was was at odds with them. Um, <clears throat> just, uh, you know, other stuff. As Saints fans, obviously, you know, we're in trouble, man. Like we found out Mike Thomas's <laughs> foot, he had to go back and get ankle surgery. So he's out potentially like the first few weeks of the season, maybe the first four. Um we had our, our punt returner get arrested for a DUI, so he might miss some games with suspension. We know Marcus Lattimore already was arrested. He might miss some games with the suspension. Um, we re-signed Quan Alexander today, but obviously he's coming off a torn Achilles. So just the, the Saints organization is like, we're in a tough spot. Like this is one of those uh, situations where you kick the can down the road and the chickens are coming home to roost now. Like, you know, the roster is, is the cupboard and is bare. And of course, this is when J- James gets his – his first right. start. <laughs> right. So didn't wouldn't give him a snap. I mean, he did an interview the other day and basically said he's got more snaps in the last few days than he got all of last season. Yeah. Um, so it's really unfair. He didn't really get to work with any of the best targets. He's still not going to. Right. But we picked up Devontae Freeman. Um, and so they're saying, like, we're going to throw Ty Montgomery in the snot slot, have Marcus Callaway and Traquan Smith come out starting the season with Ty Montgomery in the slot. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have Kamara in the backfield with Murray. Um, throw Kamara on the slot some uh, since we're low on receivers. And that, you know, Freeman will be able to spell Murray with um, with Kamara right. on the slot. All of that sounds like robbing Peter to pay Paul to me. I just don't have a good feeling about any of it. Um, you know, you already got a new quarterback trying to learn the system. The only thing I will say good for the Saints is that you have continuity on the offensive line. This might be actually the best offensive line Jameis Winston has had in the NFL. Because um, although the mm-hmm. although the Bucks offensive line was good last year, that's not the line he played behind. Um, right. I, I still think, too, this, like, we don't know the whole story with the Saints and Michael Thomas. That just mm-hmm. – something seems to be brewing since last year. And right. I don't know if he's still on this roster at the end of the year or beginning of next year. Yeah, you pay him a bunch of money. His attitude is bad to start the season. He gets hurt in the first game. Uh, I'm assuming because it was Drew's last run, he doesn't want to get the surgery, so he comes back not fully healthy. But then it still begs the question, like, why he didn't get the surgery at the beginning of the offseason and didn't get it till June. You know, that's probably something. Yeah, that's something we probably won't ever know, you know. But I agree that I wouldn't be surprised if, like, we just randomly hear about a trade because we were hearing trade rumors about him already. Um, Last uh, year, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, other news in the NFL. No, I was just going to say Emmanuel Sanders in Buffalo. So he did this uh, interview the other day, said, uh, Your boy is, uh, Allen is throwing passes the likes of which he's never seen before. Uh, I know a lot of people have them in there. Um, Josh Allen, a lot of people have them in their uh, AFC championship game picture again. Look for my boy, Joe Burrow. Big year, too. <laughs> thank thank Heard you. Heard it here first. <laughs> Look, other news. Hall of Fame, right? The Hall of Fame game is Thursday, but everybody looks forward to the Hall of Fame speeches. We got... Uh, you got the 2020 class, which was Isaac Bruce, uh, Edgerin James, uh, Troy Palomalu, 
and then along with some others, and then you have the 2021 class, which is Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, uh, Charles Woodson, uh, Steve Hutchison. So, so uh, not not Steve Hutchison. I think it's uh Alan Fanica. Um, who are you looking? What, what speech? Whose speech are, are you looking most forward to? Chuck Wood probably. Uh, you know, for me, he would have been uh, just somebody I just remember from from literally his first big plays at Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, I just always will remember you know punt return. Then the interception, I think, for a touchdown. I think that was the Ohio State game, and then he returns for a touchdown at the end. He yeah. put the rose in his mouth, and yeah. you know, it was just like he was one of those people who kind of had a storybook career to some extent. Heisman uh, Trophy, right? I actually remember running into him in the mall in Houston at the Galleria, and at the time, my brother and him were probably close in age, and uh, you know, I guess you know, young black men, young, you know, looking at each other, stare each other up and down. It's, thinking something's about to go down between the two and my brother's like yo who the hell is that looking at me like that who he think is i'm like yeah, that's charles woodson he's like who the hell is that I'm like dude heisman <laughs> trophy go get the heisman trophy um but yeah he he came to the league and it's not always um a situation where a person is all that and then some i think you know he, what he won that heisman over peyton manning a lot of people yep. question that but when you look back at it you know he produced on that level and he you know he he was that and dude. Hall of Fame NFL career, yeah, right? Definitely. From the Raiders to the uh, Packers, like you know, got him a Super Bowl. You know, just put up numbers uh, throughout. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And then also just been like a, a good TV personality after. So yeah, I mean, I think uh, this class is probably most exciting to me. These two classes because these are guys we were like junior seniors in high school. We saw their careers go from college and saw their whole pro careers. Mm-hmm. Um, basically in the same age group. So this is kind of exciting to kind of see these guys who, you know, these these are the people we'll tell our kids and our grandkids about, you know, like like we hear about the, the Dick Buckuses and the Joe Namath and those kind of things. These are the guys we saw the, the entirety of their career. Uh, for me, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to, to Chuck, but, you know, him, Peyton, uh, you've seen them speak so many times. Woodson worked at ESPN for a while. You know, Peyton's done some different things post career. I like some. I like to hear some of the guys who you don't hear from post playing days. So I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, Troy Palomalu. Always was a quiet guy on the field, but a beast on the field, and uh, just having so heard many much people, from him since he retired. So, and so many people seem to credit him for that defensive defense's greatness, particularly Ryan Clark, just always singing his praises. And so it's like you know, still waters mm-hmm. run deep. You just really wonder what a guy like that's going to have to say. Like, is he going to come up there and yeah, not have exactly. much to say and just be like the strong, silent type? Or is he going to just like unleash and let us know like what has been under the surface all these years? Right. His whole story, you know, what drove him, just just that kind of stuff. So I, I'm really looking forward to see what Palomalo yeah. has. Ho- hopefully he lives up to it. But, uh, you know, we got a lot of dudes, Calvin Johnson, just, just a lot of great players. So I'm uh, I'm really excited about the speeches. And I, I think it might be over two days since it's two classes. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward to those speeches. Before we get out of here, we got to talk about NBA free agency started this week. Uh, some big moves, right? Uh, Carmelo joins LeBron for the first time. Uh, the Pelicans lose Lonzo Ball in a sign and trade to the Bulls. Four-year, $84 million deal. Kyle Lowry signs with the Miami Heat, forming what they're calling a, a big three. I, I don't know about that, but uh, that's what they're calling it. Um, 
What's your thoughts so far? Any do you see any major players outside of the next Bucks and Lakers? Uh with some of the free agency moves. Nets, Bucks, uh, Lakers. From, from did you know, and I heard somebody else say this on television today. I'm still trying to figure out where the NBA getting all this money from. Um, and, and when I say I'm trying to figure out where the NBA getting all this money from, it just makes no sense to me the way um there seems to be just average guys in free agency getting so much damn money. Duncan Robinson got five years, $90 million. Uh, 36-year-old Chris Paul, I believe, got four years, maybe 120. Um, yep. Kyle Lowry got a bunch of money, I think like $85 million at the age of 35. Um, but then you have all these other guys like um, Talon Horton Tucker for the Lakers, I think, got $35 million over like three years. That's um, crazy. You know, just money just gets tossed around in the NBA on a level that that I don't that I don't understand. But to answer your original question, no, I don't really see anybody. I mean, the Suns are going to remain the status quo, and while the Suns will have the youth advantage over the Lakers, like the Lakers were about to beat them in that series if Anthony Davis doesn't go down. So now you put Russell Westbrook in a picture. Look, say what you want about him. Um, he's better than Schroeder, right? And they were beating you with Schroeder just running around the court, giving them nothing. Um, I think that at least you can say that Russell Westbrook will be a better finisher around the rim. So if you take those low percentage layups that Schroeder was taking, give them to Russell Westbrook. Um, I don't see how they're not at least a better team. I think the argument is maybe... Russell Westbrook's more of a ball hog, so you can have issues there. But I, I'm not totally sold on that. Uh, getting nothing from Drummond half the time, at least now you're going to get the defense from um, Dwight Howard. Um, I think Denver's the other team, though, that I, I probably put in the picture. You bring Jamal Murray back. They signed Jeff Green, and they signed – I believe it was it JaVale McGee. I know they signed a, yeah, another yeah, – they, Yeah, they signed JaVale McGee. So you got JaVale McGee to back up Jokic, and you have – you know, Aaron Gordon, Stephen Murray, and um, I'm sorry, Jamal Murray. And and you bring in Jeff Green, who, you know, obviously gave the Nets some, some valuable minutes. Uh, of note, the Nets got Patty Mills. Uh, right. That was a big move. Right. Because I know the Lakers trying to get Patty Mills and Mello. And then mm -hmm. they ended up with uh, they ended up with Kendrick Nunn and Mello and Malik Monk, which right. not a bad haul because Kendrick Nunn, man, like his rookie year. He was going off for the heat in some kind of way. Like, I don't know. He just got in the doghouse and, you know, tragic Jimmy Butler. The minister started going to them. Right. And Kendrick Nunn just kind of fell by the wayside. So, but he's what, like, uh, he's a bucket. Like, he's an instant bucket. He's a guy kind of in the vein of mellow that you can bring in off the bench. Mm -hmm. And he's just going to put up shots and, and get you some points. So, you brought up Westbrook. My, my thoughts on, I love Westbrook in terms of mentality. Mm -hmm. I just don't know how great of a fit. To me, he's like a a six three LeBron. Like he's a slasher, a driver, um, with the not worst a great jump shooter. Shot. Yeah, right. exactly. Right with a worst jump shot. Like I think LeBron is struggle from the free throw line and struggle yes. from the three point line. And LeBron is a ball dominant player, so I just wonder. Um, and, and you know, Westbrook doesn't back down anybody, so you just wonder how does that go? I think for the regular season, Westbrook is perfect. Because LeBron yeah. could take his rest, sit out some games, 
they don't need Anthony Davis a game all the time. Mm-hmm. But I think when it comes to playoffs, LeBron's gonna want to handle the ball. How does Westbrook play off the ball? He's not a great he off can't the ball. hit open three pointers. Right. Like people just relax off of him. What are they gonna do when everybody collapses into the lane? Right. right? Like where does so you, Anthony Davis trying to play in the paint? Everybody's gonna collapse on Anthony Davis. Who's the shooters that you kick out to? So they added what Malik Monk. They added um, Trevor Reza. They added was it Baysmore? Um, Baysmore. And they added Ellington. You know, three and D guys essentially, but they're mm-hmm. not great three point shooters. Right. Um, I think a lot of people were talking about uh, JJ Redick, but I just don't know if you can afford to sign another 35, 36, 37-year-old guy. And he can't And defend. this one can't play defense, and right. he's undersized at the shooting guard position. So I don't think they could afford to give that roster spot up. But realistically, like, he's a guy um, kind of like, what's the boy, um, the white shooter that they added in Cleveland from uh, – oh. uh, and oh, He had I mean, been in Atlanta. Kyle Kyle He's Corver. a guy that I could see being brought in kind of in a Mike Miller, Kyle Corver role later in the season, just so you can have a sniper in a playoff game to come off the bench. And if, you know, depending on his situation, he might be wanting to do something like that because it's right. just for a ring. But you got to have a guy that when you need a bucket, you could draw up a play for and he could hit a three. I don't know that they have that guy in the roster right now. Like none of these guys are that good of a three-point shooter. You know, they went and found a guy, bunch of guys who have high 30 to 40 percent three point shooting percentages. But a lot of those guys, I feel like that's by chance because right. they were into the bench players. They weren't taking a lot of threes. Exactly. I, I just don't think that given the guys you have on their roster that you have. Paul, Gass- I mean, not Paul, Mark Gasol might be your best three point shooter. You know what I mean? And, like, and that's saying something. He can barely move his feet. Like, he really needs to work to get in shape this offseason. He needs to show up in the best shape of his life because they need him to to be defensively good and then to be able to stand at the three-point line and knock down threes with the roster that they have. Definitely, definitely. We're going to see, and then the season kicks off fairly soon. So I'm curious to see these moves and see, you know, these right, new players. We're already in August. Yeah. So we're talking about, you know, two and a half uh, months from now. Exactly. Exactly. And just like wrapping it up, combining basketball with the Olympics next week when we record, do you think we're talking about the USA basketball team winning the gold medal? We better be because I'm watching (laughs) these. Like, I know we were losing and stuff, but I can't help it when I watch these games and see who the best players are on these teams. Like, okay, Slovenia is doing well. uh, Australia is doing well. And I guess we're in the final four, I believe, with them. Yep. But, like, who's on Slovenia's team that we know besides Luka? Australia's playing Nobody. with, like, Patty Mills and some other guys that we don't know well. Like, you know, uh, Della France, right, like, France is, is uh, Fournier and Gobert. Like, and these are Batum. names. Yeah, these aren't names that we're supposed to fear like this, bro. Right. Like, if these dudes lock down and play defense on the level that they, they should be capable of playing just solely based off their athleticism, we shouldn't have a problem. To me, it's an effort issue. And I'd like to think in these last couple games, they could dial the effort up a notch. Yeah. I'm watching the USA women right now, and that's a team that's not having any issues. Unlike USA women's soccer, who dropped their first game to Canada in 20 years, the USA women in basketball – 
that's a sport we still outright dominate. Like nobody's caught up to us. Anymore. No, no, especially on the female side of it. We better be talking about a goal. Anything less than a goal is a disappointment and it's an embarrassment at this they point. They probably like, haven't lost a game in 15 years in internet in uh, Olympic <laughs> basketball and women's basketball. It, it, it was looking bad. Uh, so we're going to see, man. But I, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to the end of the Olympics, the, the track and field, uh, basketball finals. Um, so we have a lot to talk about next week. But uh, not going to lie, it. I was disappointed when you talk about track and field. USA men lost to Italy in the hundred. Like Jamaica, I don't like Jamaica. I see them as our bitter rival. But how USA between USA and Jamaica, we couldn't produce somebody to beat a dude from Italy. And the dude looked like an NFL running back. Like he looked like he was two twenty. <laughs> looked like he was about six one two twenty. We didn't have nobody faster than that. He like, like how you saying Bolt goes away? Who had his fastest time was a nine five eight. And then all of a sudden we get a whole host of dudes who can barely get like a nine eight like how did how did the whole of track and field fall that far off you would have thought that with Usain Bolt leaving everybody would have been training super hard to see if they could get the uh the the 100 and, and Curly I think did drop down from the 400 to the 100 and got the silver so I mean that's a I guess a decent deal but yo that brother from Italy like he, that's he, that shit he looked like the uh Louisiana high school two A state champion. Right, <laughs> right. Like, I'm like he don't even look fast. I'm sorry. Like the dudes I was watching running the two hundred all look like they should have been able to go run the one hundred and win. But you know, it is and, what it is. And I think too, the biggest disappointment of the Olympics was to not be able to see Shakari Richardson run against you know Jamaica squad. Now I'm not saying she would have won, but. But it would have been nice to see she, how, where she racked, you know, ranks among the. Yeah, I mean, she lost marketing dollars, but realistically speaking, she'd have been lucky to medal because yeah. we were celebrating. I think a nine eight six, right? And I think all those Jamaican women came in under like nine seven five or something. So yeah, yeah, it was like they were like nine six one, nine six eight, well, nine seven five. Like they they were, you know, one through three running yeah. at ridiculous speed. Shelly Ann Frazier, Price, whatever her name is, got yeah. 10 names. She's Yo, she's got to be like 35 years old. She's still <laughs> smoking, folks. Listen, they suspended hair for weed. They, they need to check Jamaica for, for something. Come on now. Come on. That, Speaking of cheating in, in, in steroids, what's up with Russia getting caught <laughs> smuggling in clean urine? And just in true Russian fashion, they just create an alternative team and saying like, oh, because they were capped. And, and, and they're in like the top five medal count. Yes. The cheat team, yes. the cheat squad. Yes. I want them tested as well. Go <laughs> check all them buildings in Tokyo for secret tunnels for urine samples for the Russian squad. And we just check the Jamaicans while we at it because I don't understand. They tell me it's because of the uh, elements in Jamaica. They got the same elements in Miami that they do in Jamaica. I'm, we can't, I'm about to say, can't. last time I checked, I was sweating my ass off down in New Orleans and in right. Humidity, please. We got that in the States. Yes. Yes. So uh, that's all we got, man. Welcome back. Uh, And we see y'all next week. Yeah. I mean, if you don't take another uh, hiatus, we'll see you next week. I'm back. I'm back. We'll we'll see. You can't see my eyes unless my head is bent. You dig? Dipset one tonight. Don't you forget it. Bowling! It's like show business.